Amen. And good morning, church. I hope you're well. So glad that you have come with us. Those who are online today, thank you so much that you have chosen to be with us. Um, can we just, for a second, just give Jonathan thanks for taking a moment um, recording that. <clears throat> just another little step, um, of course, which is a little bit of what we're talking about today, the importance of, of sharing, but I wanted to honor him. Uh, so we are in um, a series, uh, Pastor Cade has brought us through, Come and Grow. Uh, my name's Cody Turner, I get to be one of the pastors here, and I'm going to open us up with the first of two messages on share. Uh, very important part, but, but these three words together, um, I, don't, I want us to make sure that we don't just think of them as uh, just three random obscure words that we plucked out of the middle of thin air, out of nowhere, and just said, hey, here's just three words that we'll go for. I believe that these are the unifiers of our body. If this is the unifiers. It, it, it helps us. If someone says, hey, what? what's, what's the deal over at, at First Baptist Church? What's going on over there at the church on the square? And this would be a way, I believe, for everybody to understand and just give a clear indicator of like, we are for coming together, we are for growing, and we are for sharing. Um, and this is not, uh, we didn't come up with this, as genius as these words may feel, this is from the Lord himself. I mean, in Matthew four nineteen, Jesus says to his disciples as he's gathering them up, come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So he says, come first. That's Jesus' words. He's his opening words. So for us to recognize it, that's Jesus' words. Say, hey, let's come together. All right, let's, and then for three years, that's exactly what they did. They come and then they grew. For three years, he, they followed Jesus, watching him, observing him, being awed by him, learning about who he was and what he had come to do for his people. And now, share. We turn the corner into a very important third step. And Jesus said to them in Matthew 28, this is kind of the, the call, it's the rally cry of the church, the beginning of the launch of the church. He said, now go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he launches the church and says, now all that you've seen, go and share it. Now, we've probably all heard this word before as child, um, maybe because you weren't good at it. Um, that's how my kids learn and know this word but we but this is a simple and easy word for us to grasp and and it's it's the one of the three that requires the most action we can come together that's easy we get to do this and I love that we get to do this I don't know about you but there's something about when I can join my voice with yours because I don't feel like sometimes I have enough in me to lift my praise as high as I want it to go. But when I add yours with mine, maybe that's selfish, I don't know. But I get to just raise it a little bit higher. And so there's something beautiful about coming and glorifying the Lord as a body together. It's awesome. And we get to grow. And we get to share. And this share step. And we can easily sit in a room and, and just in a small group, which is very important. It's, it's one thing to be in a row. It's another one to be in a circle doing life with people that you're close with. And you can obtain knowledge and information. But it's the next step of sharing and, and, and doing something with the knowledge and the growth and the, the maturation spiritually. The sanctification that you are 
and requiring and, and getting from the Lord, and that moves you to then share what it is that he's teaching you. That's the whole point. That is the purpose, to take this with us. And so for you, church, those of you who are followers of Jesus, um, I want to encourage you to, if this is you, if you're already in a share posture, then like be encouraged that you're already there. Right, let this be an encouragement and then a reminder of just how important what you are doing actually is. So be encouraged today. Um, but for the person, maybe, maybe you've never been here before. Maybe you're watching for the first time. Maybe you're here for the first time. I've, I think that it's important for us to apologize for the church, for the times that we've not done this well. That we have just come and, and I think as, as Tom said it today, that we've, we've, we've grown and we've just sit. And we don't do anything with what it is that the Lord is doing and stirring and moving inside of us. That's, that happens because we're broken people. Right? That happens because we're not perfect. So what we say to that in our apology, we flip the coin and say, however, we do want to do everything that we can to point you to Jesus because he's nailing it. He is, he is everything we want you to see. Where we fall short, he does not. And so in every way, we want you today, those watching, those here, we want you to just see who our Jesus is because he makes all the difference where we don't. There's a quote that our staff, we got to go and hear a man by the name of Robbie Gallaty, and he said this quote. It's, just, it's become one of my favorites. Um, I think I maybe even shared it with you guys before, but it's important in the launching. It says, the gospel of Jesus came to you because it was headed to someone else. The gospel of Jesus, the good news of who Jesus is, it came to you because it was actually headed to somebody else. But when we come and we grow and we don't share, we treat the good news of Jesus as if he came just so that I would be the one. As if I am important enough alone to be the one that he came for and say, thank you, you've done your job now. As if we can just be this pool of information that we gather up all that we can about the knowledge and understanding of the Lord, and then we put up our sign and say, no swimming. That nobody can come to what I have, what I've learned, and what I know. That is not what we're called to do. We're called to take this third step and to share. But that is difficult. It requires an action that we're not really good at. It's, the, it's why it's so difficult sometimes when there's volunteer needs, that it's, those things don't happen quickly. It's the, the reason behind that, and maybe this would be some good places. Know that even when you're in here, if I can just remind you, um, and we'll listen for you online, and I think we're, you know, we're monitoring that, so you can holler amen and type that in. Um, but you don't just come here even now just to sit and listen. This is participation. Right? This is not about some... Somebody, whether it's Pastor Kate or myself or someone else, coming and just saying, hey, like, bless me if you can. This is about our participation. So when the Lord prompts you, it's okay to respond. It's good. It's all right. I mean, it helps us. I mean, I think Kate has said it too. When, like, you respond, it just kind of fuels. It adds fuel. So here's something I think we can all agree on. We live in a self-centered world. Hmm. Mm. See, I love those responses. It's not like an amen. It's like a, mm, oh, me. Like, mm. oh, just grunt it out if you need to grunt it out because it's true. 
We are self-centered. We are self-serving. We are self-gratifying. We are self-promoting. We are a selfish people. Me included. This is just who we are. And it's, and it's the, the things that we, it's the flesh is what we have to get over. I mean, my kids, and if you were to talk, I'm around college, high school, middle school students, and my own elementary one in my, in my house. There's just, there's something too today to where there's just a longing to be famous. There's a longing for celebrity status. My kids know phrases of things that they don't even get to participate in. My kids ask me to make YouTube videos with them so that they can be YouTube famous. It happens. They long for it. They want to be TikTok famous, and they don't even have these things. But they know about it because it's the world that we are in. There's a phrase that has developed. It's been around for a little bit now. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called the GOAT. If you know what it is, maybe you say it with me, those online, say it with me. If you know what it is, it's the greatest of all time. That's right. So everybody else, if you didn't know, now you can be cool with everybody else and know what this means. But the reason that a phrase like that would develop, the reason that that would come about is because people want to be the greatest. They want to be the top. Everybody just thinks that they should be able to flip a switch and have everybody know them and like them and love them. We just, because it's... Our self-promoting flesh, we long for this. It's, it, it fuels and drives us to get those kind of accolades in this life. And that's why this is so difficult, this step, I think. Because serving requires a, something a little different in a person. It requires you to do something that the Lord has called us to do. He said, I'm going to keep it simple for you. I want you to just love God and love people. Love God and love people. In fact, he says, if we, here's, here's, a, here's an opening thought for you. Following Jesus, it moves us from serving to serving others and not ourselves. Following Jesus moves us to serve others and not to serve ourselves. He says it in a few ways. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. And deny yourself. Let that flesh die. Matthew 23, 11 is a verse I think we can come back to all throughout this message, kind of the launching of this message. It says, the greatest among you will be your, say it with me, servant. The greatest among you will be your servant. I think when we are following Jesus, a part of that growth, a part of that, as we transform our mind to be more like that of Jesus, this is one of the things that I believe it becomes very important for us to do is to move us from being selfish to selfless. It moves us from not just counting all of our blessings, but to be a people who would be sharing all of our blessings. He's called us to that. He says it in John 3.30 is that he must increase, but... I must decrease. It requires both actions. If he can't increase and I also increase, there's no room for that. So he increases and I decrease. And we are in kind of this beginning of the year. Maybe you've heard this new year, new me. Maybe, in fact, it should be new year less me. That that would be what he would call his people to do, And that would set his people apart. That would make his people look holy because he's holy. That is the way that it would move us to be the people that he's calling us and molding us to actually 
be. But look, this is not hard. And then we start thinking about the things that we would do. Like, okay, all right, I hear you. Maybe, maybe you're, you're driving with me. You're hearing what I'm saying a little bit. You, you smell what I'm putting out there, right? You, you, you're with me. Right? You're, you're with me. And you think, but I'm not enough. I'm not enough. And you can fill in your blank because we all think less of ourselves in certain areas. I can't sing like Miss Jennifer was singing up here. I can't do that. And so, so we're like, yeah, well, I can't do that. And so we start knocking ourselves out of doing the things that we're supposed to do. I can't teach a class. I can't get in front of people. And we start saying, I'm not filling your blank enough. Oh, church, let us not by the lie of the enemy that would stop us there so that we never move past that to the things that the Lord has equipped you specifically and uniquely to do for his kingdom. He's called us all to share. He's called us all to serve. It's difficult. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. <clears throat> we'll get there in just a second. But I want us to consider one of the things that I believe that is important for us, if we're going to take the step of sharing and serving people and continue to do it, we have to recognize and fully embrace, hear me church, listen to me, we have to fully embrace that God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Let it sink in. It is the little things that are the big things in the kingdom of God. If I say to you the name David, let that conjure thoughts. If you've been around church, you've been around scripture, if you've heard some things, maybe even never, but, but it's so popular, it's so famous that you probably have some things that could come into your mind when you hear the name David. Maybe it's King David. Maybe it's the mighty warrior David. The one who rose to fame and notoriety by slaying the giant Goliath. That's who he is. That's, yes, that's the Goliath. That's, that's, that's the David that I know. He was loved. He was honored. Women would sing songs about him in the streets. They would, they would find him in songs that they had, like, in private made songs. And then they would see him and they would sing praises to him. And look, I don't know about any other pastors in here. Cade and I, anytime I've ever gone home, my wife and my kids have never been in the driveway singing songs for me. It's not happened one time. I mean, maybe today is the day. I mean, I've, we're here fighting the battle, preaching the word, and, and maybe today would be the day. Right? But maybe not. Probably not. But what, what made David so great? What made those things about him true? What was that? I mean, he was the eighth out of eight in his family. He was the baby in his house. He was overlooked when they were saying, hey, maybe it's one of Jesse's sons that's going to be king. He was the one that wasn't even considered because he was the least of the options. And all the other brothers were considered. But what was he doing? He was out serving. He was out with the sheep. And then we see this moment. His brothers are out fighting at the war with the Philistines. And you see this. 1 Samuel 17, verses 17 and 18. It says, One day, Jesse had told his son David, Take 
a half bushel of roasted grain along with the ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Also take these ten portions of cheese to the field commander. Check on the welfare of your brothers and then bring a confirmation from them. Listen, most people would say that David was great because he won battles, but David was great because he took others' lunch. You can let that sink in too because that is the way that the Lord would see it. If it is true, Matthew 23, 11, if the greatest among you, this is the Lord's words himself, if the greatest among you is your servant, I don't think that the Lord is super impressed that David was able to defeat Goliath. I don't think the Lord was super impressed that he was a mighty warrior. Those skills came from the Lord anyway. What the Lord was impressed with was David was able to be lowly and a servant to his brothers. And the Lord honored that in him and gave him increase. The greatest among you is going to be those who serve in God's kingdom is the little things that are the big things the little things are the big things and also a second thought is when you're following Jesus serving is who you are it becomes who we are not what we do serving it becomes Right? As we grow, it becomes, he transforms us to be a people. This is understanding, this is, we are servants. And in serving is not what we do, it is who we are. Consider a guy named Paul. Paul was very key and instrumental in pinning the Bible. Very important man in our Bible. Right? That the Lord used him in such a way. I want you to look at Philippians 1.1 of how he recognizes himself. He says, Hey, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, or for Jesus Christ. That's his identifier. He is writing to the church, and he identifies himself. Who he is is a servant of our Lord Jesus. You know what he could have said? He could have said, Paul, a very successful church planter. Paul, a great evangelist. Thousands, maybe millions of people have come to know the Lord because of me. That's who I am, and that's who's writing you. That's why you should listen to me. No, but he didn't do that because it wasn't about what he did. It was about who he was, and he understood that he was a servant first, nothing else. Anything that the Lord chose to do with what he was doing in his servants to him was on the Lord. He just knew that he was here to serve because it's the little things that are the big things. And serving is who we are. He did not boast in anything except for Christ. If we're going to boast, let it be that we boast in the Lord. And that turns, serving then turns our obligation to say that we need to do this into appreciation. It turns obligation because now we can feel like, yeah, I just feel like I know I'm supposed to do it. And so if that's the way it is, then that's something, there's an avenue. If it feels like something that you have to do, that's obligation. And there's a, that means that there's space in your heart and in your thinking that the Lord still has some work. Because it sometimes turns to obligation for me. And I have to let that be fought back. I have to deny that flesh. Because it's not. It's appreciation. It's appreciation. Because I love the Lord, I would gladly come and serve him. Whatever it looks like. I want to be his servant. 
but the greatest among you will be the servants. See, living a life of obligation is not a life that the Lord has for us. And that's just miserable. And the Lord doesn't have us to live in misery. And look, so if I can just be honest, step away from, you know, the scripture. This is, this is me. Valentine's was last week. <laughs> Anybody feel that? There's obligation around that day, isn't there? All right, you're all right. I see the women going, hmm, his poor wife. Yeah, his poor wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but before you start feeling bad for her, let me make it a little bit worse. <clears throat> um, <laughs> she and I, maybe I shouldn't make it worse. Should I not make it worse? <clears throat> I don't like cards. I don't like cards. Cards are an obligation to me. <laughs> it's, it's that place in the aisle that's like, you know you need to go and do it, and you know you need to go and buy a card. And I think that we would all be better served if we would just drop like $3.99 in an envelope and just hand that over to someone. Yes, I mean, if you want to write a note, write it on the dollar bill and just fold that in there and say, like, I do love you. And maybe because it's the kind things, maybe that the words, I don't know, it's just me. But, but it's an obligation to do that. <laughs> I know, I told you, I mean, it's just, I'm terrible, right? I do try to write our notes. But, but what is an obligation? I, I would much rather, let me redeem myself just a little bit. I think I like, I, I love knowing the things that my wife loves. I like knowing the things that she actually appreciates and then developing, maybe creative as I possibly can, something around that. I love knowing what she likes to eat. Anybody like to eat? Yeah, I love knowing what she likes to eat. And so, so of course, then I make sure I take her to those places where they cook the food in front of you. You know what I'm talking about? Like Waffle House. <clears throat> so we, we did that. Ask her, what did we do? What was our Valentine's meal? Waffle House. I gladly, I didn't do that out of obligation. I did that out of appreciation because I also love Waffle House. <laughs> but that was, there's a big difference when you are in a, in a space of where you do things out of obligation. And you walk down an aisle and you see a whole bunch of cards. And you're like, and you're probably going to go to the 99 cent section anyway. I mean, so it's just, it's just obligation. Not out of just, I'm here because I appreciate I'm here because I love and because I want to do more. Just before the Passover, right, so this celebration that happens, there was a gathering. <clears throat> um, There's an argument that would constantly take place in and among the disciples. It was always in every book of the gospel if you want to go back to those at the very beginning Matthew 18 1 this happens at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven do you hear that they were kind of saying who's the goat you hear it sounds familiar sounds familiar (laughs) Who is the greatest? So his disciples were there, and they're wondering, hey, who, who do you think is the greatest? And that happened in Matthew, and then in Mark 9, 33 and 34, it says, And they came to Capernaum, 
They were leaving there, right? They, and, and when they came to the house, he asked him, it was Jesus. And he said, what were you discussing on the way? As if he didn't really know. He's asking them this question. It says, but they kept silent for on the way they argued with one another about who was the greatest. They were self-promoting. They were selfish. They were arrogant. They were prideful. They were trying to say, like, you know that I'm the greatest. And it happens again in Luke. An argument arose among them of which of them was the greatest. Can you imagine what that argument actually sounded like? Because we don't get to go into the nitty-gritty of what they said to each other. But here's these guys, and they're trying to fight for, like, who do you think is the greatest? I imagine John, who no, no way any of them like John. There's no way they like John. John wrote about himself in third person. If you read the book of John, it's like, hey, it's John. You know the one that Jesus loved? Yeah. Jesus probably, yeah, he's, he's probably the greatest. And it's him talking. <laughs> so he's, he probably is like chiming in, like, guys, you know I'm the one that Jesus loves. And it's true, Jesus did love him. All right, so, so I can hear him saying that. And then Peter going, man, you didn't walk on water. I walked on water. And then something like... I know somebody speaking up said, but you only took three steps, and then you sank. But Jesus, but Jesus picked me up because I'm his favorite. <laughs> and I'm thinking of this, that Bartholomew spoke up, and everybody was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Who were you? <laughs> Poor Bartholomew. It's like, he's like that 12th guy that you're trying to remember. Like He's on the tip of your tongue. Mm, so what's, that, what's that 12th one? I don't remember his name. Oh, yeah, Bartholomew. Like, so it probably wasn't him. He wasn't the greatest. And that's going on. That's happening. And it happens again in John. They're arguing, and they're in this moment this time that is a very important moment for Jesus. He is soon to be going to the cross. He is shortly to be headed to die for these guys who are so prideful. So here's Jesus looking at arrogance and pride, and they're, they're fighting to say, who is the greatest among all of you? <laughs> and here's Jesus' response. John 13, verse 4, verse number 5. So Jesus got up from the meal, from that supper, and he took off his outer, the outer clothing, and he wrapped himself up in a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet with the towel that he had wrapped around him. <laughs> Wait a minute. They're arguing about who's the greatest, and Jesus responds by doing that, by washing their feet. He didn't, it didn't say that he spoke anything. He didn't respond verbally to them. He spoke with action. <laughs> this what is this? Like, what is happening right there? Why would he do such a thing? This, if you came to my house, and I would love for you to do that because I love hosting. I love people coming over to our home. I would say something along the lines as a common courtesy, can I take your coat? Can I offer you something to drink? Those are common courtesies. In this time, the, an extra common, a different common courtesy, one that is not the same today because we're not walking a lot. We're not in dirt paths a lot as they were. So one of the common courtesies, was, courtesies in coming and hosting in a place would be also, hi, would you like for me to wash your feet? Would you like to kind of clean up a little bit as you come in? It was just very common, very normal. So the foot washing would have been something, though, that would have been dedicated to a servant, 
to a bond slave. So someone that would have been the lowest in the home. That's the person that would have taken on the role of taking care of that host job. But this is Jesus. The greatest that was in the room, actually. Looking. I want you to identify what's happening right here. He's looking at prideful, selfish hearts, and he's looking down at dirty feet. He hears their argument. All of that is going on, and he's quiet. And then you consider for a moment with me, just consider for a moment with me who he is. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the son of God incarnate in the person of Jesus. He's the true vine. He's a living stone. He's the great high priest. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. He's the king of glory. He's the righteous judge. He's the lamb of God. He's the light of the world. He's the prince of peace. He's the chosen one. He's the king above all kings. He's the Lord above all lords. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is our redeemer. He is our rock. He is our sanctification. He is our righteousness. And it was him the creator of heaven and earth who knelt down to wash their feet. Why would he do that? It may seem odd, but he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. It was the little things that represent the kingdom of heaven, not the big things. It was, he didn't serve because it was something that he was going to do. He served because it was who he is. It's not an obligation to him. It's just who he is. So that's what he did. It wasn't like, a, oh, I have to make this decision. Should I do it or not? He was saying, no, I've come to serve you. I'm going to lower myself to the lowest in the house, and I'm going to wash your feet. In the kingdom of God, the little things are the big things. And serving is who we are, not what we do. And he says, to try to help us wrap our mind around it, things like, hey, if you've clothed someone, if you've fed someone, if you've visited someone, if you've invited someone to the least of the people, what you've done to them is what you've done for me. Because he wants us to know that's, that's what carries his kingdom on this earth. He's asked us to pray that. Remember the model prayer on hev- heaven on earth as it is? Uh, pray for the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he was doing. He was bringing in the peace of the kingdom of heaven on earth because that's not normal here. That's heaven kingdom on display in this earth. When we would recognize it as the little things, it is serving people that makes all the difference. The greatest among you will be your servant. And listen, church, many of us would enjoy holding a little baby, greeting a guest, opening your home, carrying a bag, and being inclusive with a stranger, loving on a teenager, teaching in a group, reading to a child, cooking a dinner, carrying an umbrella, turning some lights on, singing a song, playing an instrument, smiling, maybe hosting a safe small group at your house, facilitating a conversation, bringing a lunch, carrying a towel. Listen, it is the greatest. The words of our Lord said the greatest among us will be the ones who serve. So as we conclude, as we wrap this up, it's a day for action. 
This step is all about going and actually doing with what the Lord has called us to do. Not just hearing more information, but doing something with it. So have you taken a share step? Let that be internalized because we want to invite you. And maybe that is you. We, obviously, we have lots of servants because lots of things happened that you maybe didn't even recognize were happening. I mean, when I stood up, there was a video that didn't start by itself. There were lights that didn't change themselves, right? There's online happening that didn't happen by itself, right? There were so many things that happened just in moments, but it takes the little pieces that the Lord says, those are my people. That's what the kingdom looks like, little moments of serving. So yes, we have many servants. Yes, And so if you find yourself already have taken that step, then I encourage you to be among those who, yes, please be encouraged because that's what the Lord has called you to do. But then we also want to be ones who pray for laborers. The harvest is full. There's so many people who need to know our Jesus. Agreed? So many people in this world who need to know our Jesus. And it requires us to go and to share and not be stuck on growth. We have to be a people who will let others know. Because here's a final, most important why. Why do we do this? Serving brings his kingdom to the earth for others to see. David taking a lunch, Jesus grabbing a towel, both represent the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of men. This world needs to see the kingdom of God, not the castles of men. Hear it. The world needs to see the kingdom of our Lord, not the castles that men self-promote and try to build up for themselves. Doesn't need it. We need the kingdom of God. There's one final verse. We'll end on this. Matthew 25, 23. The master said to him, well done. Say these next four words with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He's saying, you want to know the fullness of joy in this life? Serve. You want to know all that the Lord has for you? Serve. That's what he's called you and me to do. Be faithful over a little. And he will set you over much. This is not something that we get to hear or have to hear at the end of life when we are at the judgment of the Lord, where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. That only will get to be said if you've been a servant here. And he can say this to you today. He can say this to you from your actions from this moment, that it wasn't just a time for you to come and grow, but it was a time for you to come and share. Let me pray over you. Father, you allow us For whatever reason, you've chosen souls to reach souls. You've chosen your people to reach people. And for that, God, we are humbled. We do not deserve this. And yet it's still the role that we find ourselves in today. We get to serve you in so many different ways. And I pray, God, that, Lord, Something has broken through through the minds and the hearts of people today where they would get to hear and respond in such a way to where we get to see more people just taking on the pieces that you have equipped them uniquely to do. 
and that your kingdom would be here and people would get to see who you are and we would be able to get out of the way because we want this world to see you. We love you and all of this, God, is for you and about you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, amen. Amen. Love you, church.